Welcome to the Courage Coaching and Counseling Podcast with Savon Penn, licensed professional counselor here in Portland, Oregon. Wherever you're at in life, this podcast will inspire and encourage you to be more brave in life and take the next best step between where you are and where you want to be. Episode 35 of the podcast is with my friend Ethan Morrow. Ethan is a counselor in transition. And in this interview, he explains more about the reasons behind him transitioning out of the career of counseling. In this episode, we talk about career, uh, we talk about identity and curiosity and learning. And we talk about his struggle with extreme anxiety to the point where he experienced derealization. And I am so proud of Ethan uh, coming on to share his story. I've known Ethan for years and he's a friend of the family went to school with my kids uh, when he was younger. And one of the most important things he says right at the start is that his life, his identity is more than his career. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Ethan Morrow. All right. Thank you, Ethan, for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, talking to you about the, uh, counseling and mental health, uh, uh, stuff and, and some parenting, uh, mm -hmm, things too. Sure. Uh, but before we dive in, can you, uh, introduce yourself to listeners? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, people are going to hear about this more, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to introduce myself often uh, in our culture, we introduce ourselves by our career. Mm. And um, one of the things I'm learning in my current journey is that my life is more about my career, more than my career. Um, so I'll just start by telling you a little bit about myself and eventually we'll get to what I do. Um, but I'll start by telling you a little bit about me. Um, the more I'm learning about myself, the more I'm learning that I'm a very curious person. Um, I uh, am just fascinated with this world and life and I'm always trying to learn new things. Um, my, my roommate uh, has called me a Renaissance man because it always seems like I'm learning something new. And uh, it's because I am, I love to, like, if I find something that seems interesting, I, I'm going to, I'm going to pursue that and learn more about it. Um, just this last weekend, I took a kite surfing lesson because that sounded interesting to me. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've, I, I'm just a very curious person. It's always growing up. I was always taught to be a lifelong learner. And um, curiosity was a value that I've just picked up and um, 
and continue to do. So that's like, as I learn more about myself, I'm learning that one of the core things about me is that I'm a very curious person. Career-wise, um, I am currently, I, I, I'm defining myself as a counselor in transition. Um, so I am currently practicing as a therapist. Uh, I work with individual couples and families, but mostly individuals and families. And I do some parenting work as well. Um, and and I'm, I'm transitioning out of that currently. And so that's kind of been its own process. Um, but that's where I'm at. That's what I'm doing for a living right now. I don't know what's next, uh, but I am in the process of transitioning out of that. Um, professionally, I, uh, you know, as a counselor, I have a couple areas of interest. Um, one of which is I provide workshops to parents and families around uh, excessive technology use. And I help parents navigate this world of technology that they find their kids in and um, you know, how to set boundaries around that. And I call it collaborative dialogue, how to have collaborative dialogue that builds relationships rather than becomes a barrier. Well, that, that's such a huge topic, such a huge issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, um, even before uh, we spent the last year and a half uh, doing online school uh, uh, with, with all ages, not just college students and graduate students, but, yeah. you know, five-year-olds. Um, but, yeah, e even more so, just uh, uh, parent... Uh, Parenting with uh, screens, uh, screen time, and technology—that's mm -hmm. that's such a huge topic. Um, before I, I pick your brain about what you've learned and 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 uh, learn more about uh, you know how to have that collaborative dialogue uh, yeah. with your kids, can you share a little bit uh, more, Ethan, about uh, how you came to that decision about uh, making a transition? Yeah, so I think that, like many counselors, the decision to become a therapist was very much rooted in my story um, and my life experience. I've just always been good with people. Um, I've been a very empathetic person for a very long time, and that's rooted in my own childhood experiences. And um, combine that with the messaging that I got growing up around pursuing a higher education, going to college. Um, so initially, I got my, my undergraduate degree in Christian ministry because that's what I thought was going to be my direction. But as I was graduating, kind of inconveniently, I realized that ministry wasn't something I wanted to do for a profession. Um, and so I graduated with this bachelor's in Christian ministry and had just decided that I didn't want to be a minister professionally. Um, so it was kind of like, what's next? And so I spent um, a year or so uh, working as a paraeducator in schools. 
also did some nonprofit work in between then. And I just started uh, connecting with the kids and the families that I was working with at the school. Um, but I always ran into a barrier being a paraeducator at a school. Like I couldn't, I couldn't reach the home. I felt like there was something missing. I couldn't reach the home because they would always come back to school the next day, these kids I was working with, and nothing it seemed like the things that I was working with them on hadn't changed. And so um, naturally, the next direction, again, with this emphasis on higher education and pursuing a professional career, um, I looked around and found uh, Lewis and Clark's, Lewis and Clark College in Portland, Oregon, I found their marriage, couple, and family therapy program. And I was really intrigued by that and um, didn't apply anywhere else. I just applied for Lewis and Clark and they accepted me. So I took that as a sign that that was the right fit. Um, I dropped all the other applications I was working on and uh, just decided to go there. Mm -hmm. And so I got my master's degree there and uh, started practicing as a therapist, working with children, families, and also adult individuals. Um, but even throughout my training, back to your original question, even throughout my training in school, when we started doing the practical stuff, like I said, I'm a naturally curious person. So, that, so the education part of it was always fun. I'm a very good all the student. reading and all reading the... and learning new information. Yeah. And engaging in dialogue with other people around uh, psychology and and tr proper treatment, all these things. I was just absorbing it and enjoying it when it came to the actual practice of it. Something just didn't feel right. I remember the first time in school when we were practicing uh the skills portion like actually practicing with our peers in front of us and the professors watching practicing the work we'd been working on i just froze and like i was so overwhelmed with anxiety mm. and um that whole time of practicing in that practicing class i was just an anxious mess and so my professors, I, I finally got the courage to tell them that and said, oh, you're just new. You know, this is normal part of the process and growth as a therapist. Go see your own therapist. So I started doing that, working on some things to hopefully reduce that anxiety. Um, but it never really went away. Um, I did all kinds of work with multiple therapists and that anxiety never really went away, but I kept listening to what people were telling me, which is you're a new therapist. Just, just keep uh, talking about it with your own therapist, talk to your supervisors and, and do what you can to get through this initial period. You'll start to feel more comfortable. And when it came to like being in sessions with people, I was generally okay. But the before and after just totally overwhelms mm -hmm. with constant anxiety. Go, going into the, the, the day or yeah. into the week with your, your schedule, your case. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and, and then after sessions, before sessions, just so much 
tension and anxiety. Mm. And um, after I graduated, I started a private practice and was working on um, my technology use uh, stuff, that content. And even on, even though I was only seeing clients a couple days a week, I was still feeling that anxiety. But I pushed through. I started getting more education because I love education. I, I uh, learned about trauma and trauma treatment and loved that, responded well to that. Um, and, uh, and then I took my work full time. I left my private practice because COVID had hit and uh, started working for another organization full time. And at that point, the anxiety amplified. And because uh, I, I was I was going to guess that maybe some of the stress or anxiety was private practice and that maybe no. being a part of an organization might help. Yeah. With that. Yeah. You know, one of, yeah, exactly. And I was thinking that, too. That's why in addition to COVID, I was also like, I, I want to try a different setting, see if private practice just wasn't the right fit for me starting out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I've realized as I've been processing what's been going on is every setting, whether it's practicing in a practice environment at school, to my clinical internships, to private practice, to now an agency, mm. something just hasn't felt right. Mm. And it's led to very high amounts of anxiety. And add on to that a global pandemic. And... Um, the stress of that, it got to the point where my anxiety was so high that I was starting to have panic attacks. I'd never had panic attacks before. Um, waking up in the middle of the night, just uh, having a hard time breathing and feeling really overwhelmed. And I was, um, I was seeing a new therapist at the time and um, finally admitted to myself, I said, you know, whether I, whether I take a break temporarily or permanently, I have to. Um, from because, this work. Yeah, yeah, from, from the work of therapy. Um, and that was a really hard choice. It took me a long time because again, everyone was telling me you're a new therapist and I'm a people pleaser. So everyone was telling me, you're, you're so great at this. You have so many natural skills for this. And I agree. I do. Um, keep going. <laughs> yeah, just keep you. going. Yeah, everyone's mm. telling me to keep going, keep going. Mm. Um, but it got to the point where I was saying, it got to the point where people saying that felt really insecure, insincere to me. It was, I knew they were coming with good motives because I'm good at what I do. And I have the skills for it, but it didn't match up with what I was experiencing. And I was like, whenever someone would say that to me internally, I would say to myself, how long do I have to go through this? And then there was another existential question on top of that, like, because the narrative that I'd been given was I go to school, I get my degree, mm. I, I go to a good school, which I did, and 
yeah, because you went to a good school, you get a, a good job. And I did. Um, and you're working at a good company and then you're going to feel great. And I was miserable. Mm. And so the other existential question was, is this it? Is this what, like, I thought this was supposed to be good. Mm. I've done everything that I was told to do growing up. I've, I was a really incredible student. I am good at my work. No one says anything negative about what I do. Um, in terms of supervision, of course, I've made some clinical errors. We all do, but uh, but people people, I, I I do my work well, and um, people were helped. Your clients were helped. Yeah, people are being helped. I'm doing good work. People are healing, mm. but I don't feel good. Mm. And I love seeing that transformation. But the day to day of doing the work of therapy doesn't sit with me. It's like something about that work didn't fit. Mm. Um, how? And I'm, how? Uh, I, I can just, you know, hear, hear this, the stress of, of how, just how hard you had to work to just push through that. Yeah. Did, did the anxiety and, and the stress, did that affect your mood too? Did it discourage you? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, so it got, it got pretty, pretty traumatic. Um, the stress got really high and it was impacting my mood. Hmm. So I consulted with, uh, I, for the first time in my life, um, I consulted with a doctor and I was like, well, maybe some medication can help. And again, I was still in the, at that point, I was still in the mode of like, I just got to get through this. Um, I consulted with a doctor and took some medication which in general is really helpful for people. But for me, it wasn't. Um, and it actually made my anxiety worse. And uh, because my stress levels were already so high, I entered into something I'd never experienced before. I started derealizing. Um, Can you explain that for listeners? Who might not yeah. So I... It took me a while to understand what I was going through. It took a lot of independent research because no one ever talked about it. Even in um, my trauma education, I learned about dissociation, but never derealization. And um, so when we think of like traumatic responses, a lot of us think about dissociation, which is someone leaving their body, that, that withdrawal from, from yourself, um, but derealization is kind of the opposite. It's where your mind kind of withdraws from the world and the world starts to feel really unreal and like a dream or like you're in this really bad dream. Or for me, it was like everyone around me is just acting. Um, none of this is real. It, rem and it reminds me I, for some reason. I was wearing my Avenger t-shirt today. 
because uh, you know we we uh, have uh, uh, enjoyment of comic books uh, in yeah. common. Uh, yes, so I want to have fun with do. you today. Um, yeah. But as you're describing that, it reminds me of the WandaVision TV show. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I'm I'm happy you bring that up because that was one of the things that helped me realize I was grieving that show. Um, because I was dealing with this derealization and in the show WandaVision, I'm not going to provide any spoilers, but like you, you find out that there's some kind of grief process happening and that's what was leading to everything that's going on. And I started crying, weeping when I was watching that show, because I realized I'm grieving. (laughs) This is, uh, like the derealization was a response to um, the incredible stress of like add on to a global pandemic and all the stress of that, losing a lot of my community. Um, But also like this was my life's narrative to get this job, to be in this place and that it would be satisfying. And it wasn't. A lot of it was handed to you too. Yeah. What you were told. Yeah. This is what I was told. And that wasn't the case. And I knew that it wasn't the case. Um, I knew that it wasn't a good fit for me personally at this time in my life. Um, and, and so that show WandaVision actually made me realize I'm grieving and the derealization is trying to like keep me safe and hold hold on um, because nothing felt real. My this was the narrative. It, it didn't fit. Like the but you you weren't. It sounded sounds like isn't like you were realizing like you didn't fit into the narrative that you were handed. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the first time I'd ever felt that, you know, because I'd, I've, I've been such a good student and I've, I've been, some people have called me an information sponge. So whatever someone, like what people were telling me, the narratives of what I was supposed to do, what I'm good at, that's what I followed. And um, it got me to a place of therapy and providing therapy and and people are right. I do really good work, um, but it doesn't fit for me as a career. So um, that's where I found myself. And then, and, and and you found yourself there this last year. Yeah, yeah. That was around February or March uh, when we in Portland experienced that winter uh, freeze. That's when I. Um, started admitting for myself that's when I started derealizing and admitting okay this is this is not a good fit my mental health is clearly not in a good spot I've got to figure out how I can transition so uh, this kind of uh, came to the surface or or worsened with medication yeah did did you um, get like the the dosage or, or change medication? How, how did you work through that? Yeah, so I, um, 
I obviously right away talked to my doctor about what was going on. I think that's the first thing anybody should do. And they took me off because um, I was already on a low dose. Um, so they took me off. We tapered off a bit. But I voluntarily took myself off after only like five days of tapering, which is not enough time. But I was derealizing. I was like, I just got to stop this. Um, and, um, and so, no, I didn't try anything new. I think I was so traumatized by that, that I, I didn't want to try it. Mm. And, and again, I think like, it's hard sharing the story because like anyone who's listening, medications are generally helpful. You know, if that's the route you choose to go, they're generally helpful. I am a very, I'm a fringe case, you know, and for some people it takes experimentation to find the right thing. Um, but my reaction is like a small, small thing. Um, what I, as I've talked to my doctor about this experience, what we think probably happened is since I was already under such a high level of stress, for some people, uh, certain medications can if you respond negatively, it can elevate your anxiety. But because I was already at a high level of anxiety, it took me out of what we in the trauma field call the window of tolerance. And so it took me out of that tolerance. I've had anxiety a lot of my life. And so my tolerance was already pretty high, but this pushed me out of it for the first time. And, and it you just... Didn't, and you didn't, you didn't have... Uh much uh to, to to go or anywhere to go uh right yeah but there yeah yep yeah and so like that's that was my body's reaction let's let's get out of here this isn't real um it's a protective thing so um that's the point uh, where i decided you, to transition you told your doctor yeah um uh your your friends or family yeah, I told what my was, family. What was this like for, for them? Like, um, I mean, it was just like, honestly, going home was like the, the most grounding thing. I had to find something that when, when your brain is telling you that everything around you isn't real, I had to go to something that I knew was real. And uh, that was my family. So I spent a lot of time with family um told them how I was feeling because talking about it out loud actually helped me a little bit um sometimes I would joke about the derealization because it helped me make light of the situation and feel a little bit better about it mm. um and then I would just uh tell them what's going on often I would be crying as I tell them about this because I would come to them being overwhelmed mm. um and it took a lot of uh, took a lot of comfort from them. They just had to be there. My mom would sit next to me and wrap her arm around me, and uh, just say, "You're gonna be okay." <laughs> you know, makes you makes me emotional just thinking about it. I wish everyone had access to great parents, um, because like that that saved me. I, I, I know, I know your mom. So, uh, yeah. And, uh, and boy, that must've been just so hard, but 
I'm glad, um, you know, she, she knew what to do. Yeah. 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 She, she did know what to do. Um, cause she didn't say anything. She just wrapped her, her arm around me, um, and was rubbing my back. Um, so that was really helpful. Um, something else was coming to mind, but that left. So probably not important. <laughs> so it, you were, this flared up, you, you, you tried it for, for five days, but it just couldn't keep going, um, tapered off. And then, um, well, I was actually on that medication for a month. Oh, it was the tape. It was the, the tapering. Five. Yeah, it was the tapering off that I only did for five days. Yeah. Which always consult with your doctor and follow your doctor's recommendation because turns out, as I learned, cutting off a medication, a mental health medicine, cold turkeys, some of it, it's no problem. But depending on the medicine, you can actually have some more negative symptoms. Um, and and I did so. I had to weather that on top of everything else. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you're not seeing clients at that point. Um, I, I took a couple days off when it was really bad, uh, but I was still seeing clients doing as the work that I could, probably not um, at my best, but I was still making change happen. Like I said, I'm, I'm pretty good at what I do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was hard. Yeah. And I was getting ongoing consultations. So like okay. my, my supervisors, they knew what was going on. I was informing them of everything I was going through, what I was doing. So I was constantly consulting to make sure that I was still providing good services when I could. Just as you describe that, Ethan, it, it just reminds me that folks that uh, have anxiety or struggle with anxiety, it's like people who have a, like a high physical pain tolerance. Like you, you learn to keep functioning and keep working and keep keep going. Yeah. And and you know, and outside looking in, like. You might seem fine, uh, but you, but you just get used to it. Just yeah, going, keep going. And yeah, man. The uh, you was it that um, uh, episode or, or experience with the derealization? Was that what it uh, was? Kind of the last straw for deciding that therapy, at least for now, isn't what's best for you or were there other factors? Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the last straw. I mean, I was already thinking about it. I had been thinking about it for a while, but when it got to the point where I was experiencing such high levels of stress and trauma, I was, that was where the question of how long, like how long is this worth it? Like it was no longer worth it when it was impacting my, my view of reality itself. I was like, I can't, I can't. So that was, that was the last straw for sure. Yeah. Yeah. When we started today, 
you you made the point of uh, of how we introduce ourselves. Yeah. And like our and I and I think what you're saying was like our identity is like so tied to our career and our job and what we do. Mm-hmm. What are you learning about identity from this? So the f- aftermath of all this, when I started um, to transition, it, it led from high levels of anxiety to the total opposite. I've never, I've always been anxious, but I've never been depressed. For the first time in my life, I started feeling depressed. And I think that was largely because of uh, this question of identity. Like I had inherited this narrative about career and career and faith were always my identity points. And um, a lot of those, um, my faith started shifting in my undergrad program. And um, so that was different still part of a faith community and I'm really happy to be there, but um, it's not as identity as it was before. So that wasn't really there. And then when career was gone, I was left with nothing. Hmm. And that led to a real existential crisis. Um, And I say lead, but it shouldn't be past tense (laughs) uh, because I'm still thinking about it. Like, like what, who am I? Like, I I didn't know how to answer that. Um, I I had no, if if someone were to ask me that, um, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to tell them because like it was, it was career. I, I placed so much emphasis on I'm a therapist. You know, that was, that was what I did. That was my identity. Mm-hmm. Um, but when that fell off, uh, it was really, really distressing. Um, there was a lot of hopelessness, like, and it was all existentially rooted. Like, what, what am I doing here? Um, I would look at my, and this is what depression does, I would look at my, the things I'm normally really curious about, my hobbies, and, and be like, what's the point? Mm. Um, because again, like that whole, for, for all of my life, I've had one narrative. And it was about getting to where I was and having the career that I had. And it didn't pan out the way that it was supposed to so so if the 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 big uh picture or the big answer um is is not uh in place then like the the smaller things like hobbies and things like that they seem meaningless yeah pointless yeah exactly um so this whole time I've been getting therapy, my own therapy and processing through that. Um, there's a part of me that just wants to find the simple fix. Good luck with that. Um, <laughs> but uh, slowly I've started to expand my understanding and that's very much in process. So yeah. that's why I started with, I'm learning, I'm really curious. 
you know, the pursuit of knowledge. That's is, still true about you. Yeah, so that's you're still true. using that strength. Yeah, that's still true. Mm -hmm. And if that changes, okay. <laughs> I've dealt with changes, I guess, now. A um, couple times. Yeah. Ministry and the therapy. Yeah. 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 Um, but right now, right now, I'm just learning. I'm a really curious person and the pursuit of knowledge and information and experiences uh, that that carries me most days. Some days I still get caught in the existential, like, what, what does this even mean? <laughs> or um, not recognizing uh, like where I'm at right now, because again, my narrative was about being in a certain career and I'm transitioning out of that. So it's not recognizing that. So that's tough some days, but I'm starting to expand my, my idea of identity. I started to uh, have more faith conversations with people again, integrate that back into uh, my life in ways that it wasn't before. Um, so I'm trying to make some changes. Mm. That, uh, integrating uh, faith and, and, and having those conversations with others uh, more. It, would you say what you've gone through, at least with, with your, your faith, and, and, and uh, um, it sounds like it, it, it's, it's different than your upbringing, would you say yeah. it's like you went through that, that like a deconstruction of your I, faith and you're yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, and that started in undergraduate program because I intentionally chose a school that was uh, going to make me ask questions. Um, and that tied to me being a curious person. Um, like I didn't want to go to a place that believed what I believed at the time. And I wanted to be challenged and, and it did challenge me. And so the ideas that I, and a lot of this didn't happen. The deconstruction wasn't triggered by thoughts or certain things that people exposed me to. It was, it was, it happened as I interacted with more people. And at, as I met really good, kind people who in the faith tradition I was brought up in, wouldn't think we're good, kind people. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of uh, disconnect there. And, um, and so I started asking some questions around what I really believed about, about God and other people. And so that started to deconstruct. And uh, for me, it started snowballing um but now i am starting to perhaps by necessity start to connect more with um higher power and have have faith-based conversations with friends of mine that can because uh, right now when your identity is so uh fluid and it's it's changing a lot um to, to believe in something higher, you know, I think that's why AA is so helpful. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or um, other 12-step groups, like you're going through a lot of changes and having some kind of belief in a higher power um, 
can ground you in that process. Yeah. This, this process, it, it sounds like it's a, a process of like, of discovery. Mm -hmm. Would you say what you're going through is also healing? Like you're going through healing that you need? How do you... If healing is painful, then yeah, I think like maybe that's something to learn is, uh, and we know from being a therapist, healing sometimes takes going through a lot of pain and, and addressing pain. And uh, yeah, I, I think I am healing, but day to day, it doesn't always feel like healing. I, I just want to say, Ethan, it's brave of you to to come on and, and talk with me while you're experiencing pain still. Yeah. It's not all clean and like resolved. It's not. Um, but I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, you, 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 I, I don't even know uh, if, yeah. if it's accurate to say that you've got the, the worst is behind you. Like yeah. certainly the, 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 the situation with the med medication, it's like, yeah, that's, that's behind me. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, it's interesting. I grew up in a uh, Christian tradition where whenever you would hear testimonies of people, mm -hmm. everything was always in the past. Like you could only provide a testimony if your struggles were over. Well, that's not my reality. I, I'm still struggling. Um, and so I, I want to be truthful. Like it's not, healing takes a lot of time and uh, it's, it's a long process. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're still dis discovering the, the, I think you said it left a, a hole, the, the ministry. Um, I don't think you're still finding. You, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's not something. Maybe it's not one thing to replace it. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it's many things. And what we do isn't our identity. But one thing that I've observed as, I, as we've, you know, been connected on social media is... Um, uh, in the last year, baking uh, has been sure uh, a positive. Um, yeah, for you, can you sh share a little bit about uh, that? Yeah, well, I like to brag that I was into sourdough before COVID because <laughs> it seemed like once COVID hit, everybody was trying sourdough. Yes, <laughs> um, but that was something that started prior to. Um, uh, Prior to COVID, prior to last year, I've been baking for a long time. Oh, okay. uh, it was, yeah, no, it's fine. Uh, but I did start sharing about it because I was really, a couple things happened with, with baking. Um, I started to bake just by seeing someone on Instagram back in like January of 2019. An actress I follow was going through this beginner's book and sharing her journey. And I was like, you know what? That sounds interesting. Again, with that curiosity. 
and I just decided to try it. And uh, I fell in love with it. For someone who's had anxiety a lot of his life, I think the process of baking, particularly bread, is really therapeutic uh, because a lot of things, like there's a lot of prep work that you have to do. I like that. But when it comes to the actual baking process, you have to let go. Mm. Um, and you just have to, like, you're, it's up to nature at that point. It's up to whatever the yeast, these microorganisms want to do. Mm. And you can, you can create factors like you can control factors like temperature and time and the ingredients you use. But at the end of the day, something outside of your control is working and you just have to let it do its thing. And, and you, you, you've done what you can. You just have to trust that. Yeah. Or wait and see. What yeah, happens. exactly. Yeah. And, um, and as I was baking, I started discovering the powerful metaphor uh, metaphors that were offered by baking um like you know sourdough in the process of making bread a lot of things die in order to make new things and provide sustenance for lots of other people hmm. um and i started reflecting on the various metaphors of that i was learning through baking and sharing that um I was sharing my baking process on social media and Instagram. Um, I, could, I couldn't eat it, but it, it looked good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was doing that and, and really, really loving that. I actually was, when I was starting to think about career transition, just pondering it, I started a blog uh, to share some of my thoughts and the metaphors that I was learning. Uh, but what I learned was I'm not, I, I, I'm not too fond of the writing process. Um, it was, it was another thing, another source of anxiety for me. Mm. Uh, so I, I didn't do that anymore. Um, but I'm still really connected to baking because baking was one of the first when it comes to identity things that I was building, one of the first things that I just decided to do, like I can tie um, therapy a lot to my story. I like, I can tie how I came to be a therapist to my story, but baking was just something that I saw someone doing and was like, the, that curiosity spark was there and I was just like, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm like out of nowhere. <laughs> when I first told yeah. my, my family that I was starting to bake, they, they were probably a little bit confused. Like uh -huh. even yeah. baking, what? Yeah. Uh, but I was like, no, I just want to do this. Um, and I did it and, uh, and have been quite good at it. Yeah. It's, uh, it, you didn't do it because you should. Um, yeah. And because that's part of the um being being a good person or or whatever or, or right. even helping people you just did it because you wanted to <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I, I mean, sharing the bread with others was definitely a plus. I did like providing for people in that way. Yeah. But the process of making bread captivated me. Mm. And that was something that I feel like I chose, that I, I was driven to. Or um, this summer, this year, are there other things that you're you're you're, you're thinking about cho choosing? You you mentioned the kite surfing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, yeah, but are was... there other things that you're curious about? Like... Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Kite surfing was one of them. That was an interesting experience in and of itself. Um, but um, you know, I've been working on I at the beginning i mentioned that one of my areas was around technology use and helping parents walk through that mm -hmm. even though i'm leaving my practice as a therapist i i plan on continuing to uh provide workshops in some capacity and information to parents and to be a resource around um, collaborative dialogue and excessive technology use so I haven't thought about what that's going to look like yet. Um, it's definitely going to have some website um, content as well as um, some workshops over Zoom or in person where I really walk through some of these resources I've gathered and provide some parent training on how to have collaborative dialogue. Nice. So you're still going to be uh, working with families and, and parents in some capacity. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was, you know, being uh, the teaching is a different stance than being a therapist. And I enjoyed being a resource and contributing to the change process. It's one of the things I like about therapy um is being part of the change process and i still do that as when i'm teaching and providing resources um i can still offer something that helps helps in the transformation process yeah yeah the um yeah it, uh it, it'll be uh, uh interesting to see um not where you land but but like what what's the next step uh, yeah. for you yeah yeah um uh, as we wind things down for uh, uh, our interview today mm. uh, are there any last uh thoughts uh, that you um or anything you, I, i'm thinking you know folks that have been listening uh i'm thinking of folks that might resonate with with just having struggled with anxiety for a long time yeah. or, or uh, anyone who's listening, who is asking those existential questions or, or struggling with, with that. Um, yeah. I know you're still in the middle of it, but what would you, what would you say to someone who's in the middle of it with you? Yeah. Well, I think uh, first thing is we get a therapist. Um, if you have access to that, that's been a tremendous help for me. Find a therapist that's a good fit. But give yourself permission. Uh, to, this is so cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. 
like now that I've gone through such a profound struggle and I'm going through a profound struggle, mm-hmm. give yourself permission to struggle. Um, like I feel better on the days where I connect with what's making me anxious and just allow it to be there. I mm-hmm. feel better on those days than on the days where I'm always trying to like make some kind of change happen. And that's that anxious mind is like, what can I do to make this better? What do I need to um, learn? What's the missing piece? But on the days where I'm able to just sit with myself and, and allow and maybe incorporate a bit of self-compassion if that doesn't become just another to-do list item for you. Um, but just give yourself permission to be struggle to struggle get a therapist and expand your idea of identity. I think, I think our, our culture is doing a real disservice to people by placing so much emphasis on what we do. Mm-hmm. We're human beings, not human doings. Yeah. That, uh, as you describe that, I, I can, I can just, you know, feel kind of a sense of peace and letting go. Uh, yeah, I, I like the way you describe uh, not making it like another thing on your to do list. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because that's what it would become for me. When I learned about self compassion, it just became another thing to do. Uh, when I would do an inner a successful uh, intervention with my own therapist it became another thing for me to do I got to do this all the time and 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 I can't do that that that's not going to take away the struggle I'm I'm sorry for how hard uh things that have been for you at, at times uh, Ethan uh but, but I'm glad that that, that you're learning yeah and uh yeah i i'm i'm really looking forward to um seeing the the the, the healing and and it's been fun to because I've, I've known you for years um, yeah to see you, you grow up and and the, and the growth uh that that you've had um so far so thank you for coming on and and sharing uh yeah. with us your story I'm, I'm glad I, glad I could do this. I'll see you around. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so proud of Ethan's courage coming on the podcast to share what he's been through, but, but also to share what he's experiencing in the middle of healing and recovering from that uh, really tough time this last year. And I hope it encourages you if you struggle with anxiety or depression, if you're still figuring out career uh, path. And I really like what he said towards the end. Um, Give yourself permission to struggle and expand your 
your uh, picture or definition of identity. And uh, this next year, a lot of people are returning to school. Um, this pandemic has reshaped uh, career and work and the rhythms of life. Um, it's shaken up uh, relationships. Um, it's caused people to make changes with job and career um, and education. And I hope that this fall uh, will be a good chapter uh, in your life, uh, as I hope that for Ethan. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We have a couple uh, episodes coming up on prayer and uh, parenting, special needs uh, uh, children, uh, parenting, uh, uh, adoption, and uh, foster care. We also have an upcoming episode on grief with a grief expert. So please subscribe if you'd like to uh, get notified. Uh, for those upcoming episodes and encourage you to connect on Instagram or Facebook and uh, please share uh, the podcast with any friends or family who might benefit from it. Take care guys.